Hey friends, welcome back to Sober Curious Adventures. It's me, Christina. And today I'd like to introduce Cousin Lala, co-host. Yeah, for the first time official co-host, uh, I was a guest on the first couple episodes, but it's official, we're doing this now. Uh, I don't know if you stayed at the top, this is November 17th, 2023, the year of our Lord. Officially more than halfway through Sober November, and we'll start out with a little check-in. How are you doing? I'm feeling great. I am feeling fantastic. Um, I don't crave as much anymore. So I, that's a plus in my book. I've been working out a lot, and it's been doing wonders for me. So have you been, or actually no, how, how are you, cousin? Yeah, I've been doing great. Um, I could say definitely the cravings aren't there anymore. You kind of you kind of forget about it at this point. And yeah, we're developing a, a healthier routine. I've been working out as well. Been hitting the gym, aiming for five days. And uh, yeah, I heard you've been doing a lot of running. How's that? You've been making any progress there? I actually have. I'm excited for this half marathon. I haven't signed up for it, but I'm excited for a half marathon. I've uh, lowered my time for my miles. It's really slow still, but I can keep a pace now. Super excited about that. Ooh, is it Friday? It is Friday. Did you hear? Did you hear about Snoop Dogg? Yes. I actually just saw an article, a few articles actually, that Snoop has uh, officially quit smoking weed. And uh, I think on his X or, or Twitter that he he's requesting some privacy. Uh, what do you think about that? The direct quote is, please respect my privacy at this time. I feel like I can relate to that. So a few people heard the second episode, I believe. And after that, I had like a flood of people ask me, are you still sober? So... You know, like, if that's your identity, I get it. I get why he's asking for privacy. Because I was I was reading up. Like, I, I, I was reading up on it. There are people that are doubting that this is real. Like, that his like that he wants to stop smoking weed. Like, that... I can relate. I can relate to that. Because you guys were really concerned that I was not sober after, after that episode. Yeah, Snoop is a very... I mean, very influential figure in the marijuana world. Um, so much so that I read that uh, the market uh, for cannabis has dropped supposedly after Snoop's announcement. And I don't know if this is, I mean, he's gone through a lot of um, personal reinvention, you could say. Uh, at one point, he wanted to be called Snoop Lion, kind of dropped that. So I, I like Snoop Lion. <laughs> I like that name, Snoop Lion. Sorry. No, you're all right. Um, yeah, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Lion. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's it's very interesting. It's a, it's very topical, and I'm very curious as to one why he chose to quit smoking, and well, cho chose to quit publicly, right? And um, and you know if there are like maybe underlying health reasons, or if it's I don't know a marketing ploy. At first, I did think it was a marketing play. And then I felt kind of hypocritical because I didn't, I'm not 
like I'm not doing this tea break for sobriety, but I'm also not doing it for health reasons. Does that make sense? I'm not doing it for health reasons. I just want to see if I can do it. But now that we're 17 days in, I did want to update you on that reevaluation. So you asked me at the beginning if I were to, if I was going to continue to say sober, sober. <laughs> and I said no. But now I'm thinking I want to do another 30 days. Because I just genuinely like how I feel. There's no more brain fog. I don't feel like negative. I don't feel negative towards myself. I am able to, like, I can regulate my emotions now. I don't feel inconvenienced to be sad. Does that make sense? I don't know if you've gone through that emotion yet. It's a very interesting inconvenience to be sad. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't necessarily speak to that, but uh, I could say I don't, I don't have the craving anymore, you know, to smoke. Um, I guess to touch back on Snoop Dogg, um, how he's come out publicly, and it's it's funny that we do this pub podcast publicly, but I don't actively tell people in my life that I'm sober. I just, I just am. Just kind of operate with the assumption that, uh, yeah, if everybody in my life kind of thinks I'm sober, anyways, um, yeah, I had been smoking so much to the point where, yeah, people, people in my life, I, I never really told people I smoked, and um, I don't know if they notice any difference in me. Um, I could definitely, I feel a difference. I don't necessarily think I display any difference if that makes sense I mean, have you noticed anything different about me cousin no <laughs> but I talk to you a lot and I talk to you frequently but I will always I will remind like I want to say this you were very conservative in the fact that you never told people like you weren't very public with your smoke like not a lot of people know you do it but on my foot, on my hand, I was very public with it. Like, everybody knew. Well, not, like, you know, non-professionally, everybody knew. So, that was my identity, and, yeah, I I get it. Like, I wanted, I wanted this to be a private time in my life, but if I kept it so private, I knew I wasn't going to be accountable. I knew I would have no accountability. Like, yeah, no accountability, and I would just smoke. So, regarding Snoop Dogg, I think that we should just believe him. Because if he's going, it's hard to quit. Like, like you know what I mean? It's hard to quit. So, if he's going to go through this, he might have to tell people, like, hey, I'm I'm going to smoke. Or I'm not going to smoke. Because it's hard to remain accountable especially when you're dealing with smoking for decades. Like I I get you know what I mean like my identity was smoking. I didn't know anything and I don't know I still don't know what my personality is. But now that 17 days has passed, I will say um I'm handling things. So I'm excited to see where Snoop Dogg is going to go with this. And I'm excited to see how it's going to affect, you know, pop culture. Yeah, that's a great point, 
um, you know, maybe he did make it public to have some sense of accountability. Uh, I know for sure this podcast has helped me stay accountable, stay sober. And yeah, I look forward to these podcasts and I, I, I look forward to, to staying sober, honestly, uh, seeing where that trajectory takes me. Uh, yeah. So what have you been doing this week? I feel like I've been low-key brainwashing myself. I've been all over YouTube. Um, I don't know if people are going to like this, but I've been watching Candace Owens. Candace Owens? Yeah. Okay, so when I was first introduced to her, she was literally just a token person on Trump's, you know, campaign. But now that she's a singular person... Like with no affiliate. Well, I wouldn't say she has no affiliation, but she is a singular person in a sense that she has her own thing going and her, you know, traveling while pregnant, debating with. With, I would say, adolescents, they're not like real adults, like they're not because she's going on college campuses like, yeah, you may be, quote unquote, an adult, but your brain is not developed at that age. And I don't know what I did to my socials, but my for you pages have been wild, like really controversial wild so i don't know what i did but yeah yeah uh news alert so uh stopping smoking cannabis becoming sober makes you uh conservative and right wing no, no i'm just joking <laughs> but um so interestingly enough i've been kind of following uh candace owens so i don't know if you know she's on the daily wire sure. yeah so that's um ben shapiro's um kind of platform where he um, congregates um, like individuals you know they got Michael Knowles they have like Matt Walsh uh, Candace Owens and recently um, Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro like basically her boss they've been getting into it because of Palestine Israel uh, yeah and Ben Shapiro obviously is Jewish and he's been he's been obviously defending uh, Israel and yeah Candace Owens has been um I guess uh, you got to look at her tweets or whatever. Um, but I think she quoted like a Bible verse and then Ben Shapiro was like, yeah, if you don't like making money here, you could take, you know, basically they're, they're having a public feud, which is very interesting. This, this podcast went very political, but I, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. But I'm not a very, I'm not a political person like that. It's just opinions that I like. I like when people are able to argue their opinion, like, so what I'm referencing is like Candace Owens and what was that? It was like trans, like trans, right? It wasn't even trans rights. It was just her going to a college and then people like asking her questions. She was literally asking for questions. And as I was going through it, maybe it was the editing. I don't know. But a lot of things that the youth were saying were statements and they were just, you know, glorified statements like, I am here. I am seen. What's your problem? It, to me, there's nothing wrong with being seen and heard. But when you turn it into like, when you weaponize your words to gaslight. Yeah, I will say gaslight. And So here, let's let's start like this. Trigger and gaslight are like two of my least favorite words. Because they're taken to two extremes. Like, very quickly. So, anywho, 
the youth that she was asking for questions kept saying statements and I work with oh I don't want to I didn't want to go there but like I deal with I can't like I am always talking with young people and I talk with teachers now as well and what I've noticed while I'm you know doing my observations is that everyone's entitled like yeah we, we have entitlement like but when it comes to authority why why are people like so off put where they're like hey you can't tell me to do this I have a right like the world does not work like that I before you got here I was watching what was that I was watching a 21 year old get arrested on YouTube yes like I don't know if you were like I didn't know if you heard I don't know if you heard that but like the cop had told her hey get out the car so as someone who legally drives when they tell you like you know when you get your license they tell you like if a cop stops you you have to do what they say and yeah we have rights and everything but this was weird like if a cop told me to get out the car and he had every right to do it like if i was being belligerent and and he was like okay enough then yeah i'd get out the car but this girl she was 21 her license was like it was indefinitely suspended like what the fuck are you doing to where you can't even drive anymore and so she caught an attitude with the cop and laid hands on him. And when he assisted her out of the car, after he told her like five times, she wanted to cry and call her mom and say, you're abusing your rights. So I'm low key scared of the generation after me because I, I don't know where this is going. Like sometimes I feel like we all died in 2015 and now we're just living a dream. I'm getting excited for this podcast. This is uh, I'll preface it by saying um, I thought you're referring to another video because there's these string of police videos that are coming out of essentially cops pulling over, like you described, these adolescent kids, college age age kids. Um, there's this one particular video where it's this kind of um, best you could describe it is this like liberal college age girl um, driving down the wrong side of the road and. Oh, she drunk. Well, yeah, she was drunk and she accused the officer multiple times of, um, oh, you're being a white man and uh, I have I have generational trauma and I've, I have social I have social anxiety. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is um, this is a it's like a plague on the youth where this this entitlement, uh, where, you know, where does it stem from? Where does it come from? I want to tie it back to cannabis. And I think I could do that. Give me a second here. I think um, there's something about maybe not even cannabis use, but drug use that's um, that flies in the face of like um, there's an immediate gratification, right? When you smoke, there's there is no um, there's no discipline, there's no delayed gratification. You know, there's something to to being sober that kind of wakes you up a little bit. Um, yeah, because we're not, you have to, we can't just like light up, we can't spark up and immediately feel euphoria, right? You kind of have to, to earn it in a sense. And um, it's kind of funny that like uh, when you stop smoking, you kind of, you start watching these uh, quote unquote conservative videos and you start to, uh, I guess, identify with uh, this, this pushback. Um, funny enough, your brother and I were talking about Candace Owens actually a couple weeks ago. And to preface it, we were going to, we were at Subway 
late at night and it was you know your brother is very socially outgoing he's very gregarious and it was two black women uh, that were serving us uh, that were the sandwich artists right at subway and your brother is i mean he he was just talking up with these he was he, he wasn't necessarily flirting but he was he was making them both laugh really hard to the point where like the customers were looking over and like what's this guy doing like how is he so outgoing um yeah just like non-stop banter with these two black women like like he was like like a long lost friend kind of deal and when we got in the car after we finished our subs he's like and these are my people and like yeah i could tell um and somehow i think i brought i brought up candace owens i'm like yeah um that would be funny if um i don't know you ended up with uh i guess instead of your current wife girlfriend whatever you uh you married a black conservative like candace owens and he kind of um he kind of stopped me right there he's like hell no i would never 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 date candace owens he actually dislikes her he calls her a race traitor um i don't know if you remember that uh when when the black lives matter movement black lives matter movement came around and uh, kanye came out with a, a clothing line that say it was like all i don't know if it was like all lives matter or like white lives matter oh, I, th- I saw that she wore that she wore that hoodie where it said white lives matter mm-hmm. so candace owens is a conservative and she's very open about that i lean towards no one <laughs> once again I, I lean towards like opinion like yeah they may be agreeable opinions but I don't swing left nor right. I just try to, I vote with what aligns with my morals. But I wouldn't say I'm like a conservative. I wouldn't say that at all. Because I do a lot of things that conservative people don't agree with. So, But then on the other hand, I do a lot of things that uh, people on the left don't agree with. Like taking things to super extremes. Instead of... I don't think that's a left thing. It's just, it's more like that entitlement that I'm talking about that I'm scared of. And it's not my entitlement. Like it's youth entitlement because it it's just weird. Like if you, maybe I ended up on the wrong side of YouTube because the wrong, like the weird side of YouTube for me used to be like the back doors or, you know, is it called back doors? Like back rooms. Back rooms. It was the back rooms. It was weird, weird stuff. Like I was listening to like, scary things i was actively looking for scary things so i have an um, interesting journey on youtube um I, I was on the platform when it first came out and i actually youtube so i was about i don't know 10 or 11 when i started watching these like new age atheist videos right that's when um uh, richard dawkins was really big um you know sam harris um and uh and the atheist experience in Austin, I was watching all of this atheist content and I was like, well, damn, I was kind of questioning my belief at the time. And, uh, I could safely say that like YouTube influenced me in that uh, non secular direction. Um, and uh, let's just fast forward to, uh, the post pandemic and I'm watching, uh, like Jordan Peterson and like, shit from the daily wire tim pool and some other religious podcasts and it's funny it's like the way out is the way in right so i find myself kind of going back to religion it's very very interesting Uh, you know when i was in middle school i was middle school high school i was staunchly atheist 
And, um, you know, after going out into the real world, uh, owning my own business, experiencing the pandemic, um, that I'm, I'm starting to lean a little more conservative. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a very, YouTube's a very, very interesting platform and it, it definitely, it could shape your beliefs, um, in kind of extreme directions, you could say. Um, well, yeah. Oh no, I, I totally understand what you're saying because, okay, I had a college roommate and all we would do was watch beauty gurus on YouTube. And I remember being very much into makeup, being influenced to get everything that they were using. And then when I left college, I was not really looking at any certain kind of content. I was just being fed whatever was being given to me. Like when for you pages were, hey, like this is this. Nothing was being tailored. Like no one was using analytics to tailor to you. But now when I use social media, I have to be like really careful. Because we really don't know what's happening. A lot of our views are censored by people putting it out there. Like, so, okay, remember when COVID first started and I had told you, like, this was, like, before people were stocking up and stuff. This was probably, like, November. It was early. It was early. It was early and no, prior to that, remember, like, it was Thanksgiving. My brother had hosted it and I was saying, hey, everyone needs to get masks. And everyone was looking at me weird. They were like, why? But you knew what I was talking about. I was like, yeah, I just feel like, you know, we should just stock up because there might be something happening. And people were like, how do you know this? So at that time, I was looking at, like, who had World World, World Health Organization. They had that website up already. And it was telling you, like, oh, this disease is here. And then, you know, I remember talking to you about it. And then we would watch the number grow. The numbers were growing. And then that's that was around January or December, December, January is when your mom started taking me seriously. And by that time, yeah, it was kind of too late already to stock up because then had everybody had seen it. So I don't know, like after COVID, after pandemic, things are different. Like, I don't know where the world is going. But now that I'm sobering up. Yeah, I, I just feel like I have been asleep for the past few years. And it's kind of scary waking up now because I'm waking up to dystopia. Like when I was asleep, asleep. Yeah. When I was asleep on cannabis, everything was happy go lucky. And whatever I was digesting was just like, I'll say this. It is not healthy to be looking at violence every day. Yeah. <laughs> so I can attest this. Um, yeah, when I owned my own uh, business, um, the way I would wake up in the morning is I would hop on Worldstar and just watch a bunch of uh, crazy videos, and that would kind of jolt me up in the morning while I uh, took my morning piss. And um, yeah, there's something about just watching watching this violence in the world and, and being numb to it. Um, I feel like this podcast is going to be very divisive. It's going to. It probably is, but I'm, I'm okay with that because this is what I'm. This is what we're experiencing. Yeah. For someone that abused cannabis, and not for its medicinal, like, you know, effects or like positive medicinal effects. I will say this: I, I've been asleep, and I feel like I've been asleep. 
like how did I lose all my opinions and how did I like I just turned into I turned into like a a machine like a consumer machine and now that I'm making something like I don't know how this is going to touch with people but I'm putting it out there that this is an experience that I'm feeling like like I'm waking up to dystopia I'm just gonna put this out there I feel like weed culture in a sense there there was there's a bit of a sigh up there it's like why is it in um yeah it's being it's being uh, i was happy when we were secret stoners yeah, yeah because i still i had that opinion in me and then as i continued with my cannabis journey like i lost respect for authority i lost respect for you know just common decency like oh you know, like there are certain things that I, I still won't do. You know, I, I won't smoke around children because they're like, you know, as I as I continued through this journey, there was a cousin that had told me like, hey, if you smoke around kids, they're used to that smell. So when they grow up and they smell it again, they're going to think it's a comforting thing. And I re- that really resonated with me. I mean, uh, just to... um go back to those curious sober curious adventure kind of themes uh, thinking back in college um yeah there was this one dude he would literally um we would pull up to his apartment okay he would be on his balcony with his i'm talking two week old baby in a baby bjorn and he's smoking a blunt and you know right right if you know what a baby bjorn is right it's like a it's up, yeah the baby's wrapped to your chest and he's like smoking the baby's just next to him and and okay granted this this guy is kind of on the extreme end he was he was very very weird he would um yeah he he didn't live with his girlfriend he would invite girls over to study and he would just talk about like hey what if i just killed you right now like okay this guy's kind of oh my God, is he, this guy's is he in jail i don't i don't know what happened to him um that's the most extreme example I could think of, you know, smoking next to kids. But I kind of want to, I don't know, scale it down a little bit and just talk about the, there's, there's a, there's a, with weed culture, there's a bit of this self-indulgence. There's this like unbridled, like hedonism, um, that, that I, I really don't think is healthy and that's contributing to, uh, the society where it's like, hey, you could do whatever you want. It doesn't, you know, this doesn't matter. I, I, I'm the pursuit of uh, personal pleasure above all. Um, yeah, that's why I say like weed is a little bit of a psyop, you know, like it's um, it's glorified in all of the, um, uh, I guess, the current uh, music of the day. And it's almost like, like, it's normal it's normal it's normalized and um there's something to saying like hey i'm going to stop smoking um that that's that takes a certain uh, amount of like uh, self-accountability personal responsibility and perhaps that's why i um i mean to be honest i was still smoking when i was listening to like started listening to jordan peterson and all these supposed like um you know, ultra conservative right wing talking heads. Um, although that's not how I would classify them, but they always preach about like, talk about self accountability, self responsibility and, uh, delayed gratification. And it's, it's counter to the weed culture. So it's funny, like 
um, when I first started smoking in high school, like weed was the counterculture. But now, now I don't feel like it's the counterculture anymore. Like your point of being secret stoners, right? Now it's almost like you're being secretly. Now it's it's like we're like a, a derp, double turncoat. You know, it's like it was the counterculture. Now it's the mainstream culture, and you have to kind of think like, is that um, is that on purpose? Is that a good thing? What are your thoughts? Okay, so when we were secret stoners, most definitely cannabis was not as accepted as it was as it is today. So let's look at Miley Cyrus. She had took salvia when I was I remember this is twenty ten. She had took salvia. We are the same age. Me and Miley Cyrus are the same freaking age. <laughs> and when she took salvia, people had a freaking meltdown. I remember it being on TMZ. And now, you know, let's fast forward five years from that, 2015. Marijuana was getting legalized everywhere and everyone was for it. And we had a conversation about this in 2015. So now, mind you, we're five years in. I'm five years in smoking. Like, that is my daily habit. I'm still into it. But when I'm, you know, I talk about these journals that I have. So 2013, I tried to get sober. I tried so hard. I really did. And it didn't, it didn't work for me. I wasn't mature enough. I wasn't understanding. And it was still that counterculture of, hey, I'm doing this. No one knows about it. 2015, I was more open. I was like, hey, you know, I was probably doing illegal things. Like I was illegal distribution. <laughs> if you, you get my drift. <laughs> and, you know, when I think back at 2015, I didn't, res- like, like I said, I, I had a delay in respecting authority. Because in my mind, I was like, who is going to come up to me first? You know what I mean? First of all, who's going to come up to me? Second, are they really going to ask me if I'm smoking weed? And then third, I'm just going to be like, no, mind your own business. So there's that entitlement that I can smoke. It's my space. I can smoke there. And then the disrespect that I was giving. Because I wasn't thinking about that other bird, that other person. So when we go back to, you know, instant gratification, I was instantly gratifying myself and then I was reinforcing my bad behavior because that is a behavior. Like I, I was never really like that when we were secret stoners. I was very, you know, careful. I was very careful. I will say that. And then as I continued to graduate into the cannabis, you know, acceptance, I was very blatantly open out there, disrespectful. I didn't have any type of accountability, no discipline. Because my day literally consisted of getting a swisher, finding the connect, and doing what I got to do. So in that sense, I have a lot of regret. Because we came from the counterculture. And now that it's mainstream, it's a whole different ball game. So when we're going to circle back to Snoop, he said, I'm not going to smoke. And then I go around and I ask people, I go like, well, how do you feel about that? Some people go like, oh, I think it's a marketing ploy. Why do we have to think sobriety is a marketing ploy? Like, (laughs) becoming sober curious has opened my mind to a lot of things. Why do we have to say, oh, he's not going to smoke or he's not trying to smoke. This is something else. Because I've touched on this before. I feel like marijuana is not how it used to be. We have genetically modified it so much to where it's so potent. That instant gratification that we feel from that one bowl. It was never really like that when I think about how I used to smoke. 
Yeah. If I could touch on that, like how we used to smoke. If I remember back in the old days, uh, your mom's old house, um, when we would, when we were in that cycle, like you said, getting a Swisher, that's like, you know, finding the connect. Um, and, and we would smoke. And I remember at one point my, you know, my tolerance is a little bit lower than yours. And, you know, you, you wanted to smoke a little more than I did. And I, I was kind of like, well, I mean, it looked like we were chasing the high, you know, it's not because, you know, when we first started smoking, it was take a couple of puffs, you know, just a couple and then just enjoy the experience. But fast forward a couple more years, you know, we were, we were doing two blunts, three blunts to the face and it was just like, all right, we need more. It's like, well, hold on. It's like, why we're not even enjoying the experience. We're just smoking to smoke. And these were, so when, when we say two blunts to the face, we're not talking about grand blunts. These are eighth blunts. These are backwoods. These are, you know, we'd go out and buy half an ounce and run through that like damn near in a day. That's not, you shouldn't be doing that. Like when I read that, you know, Snoop at one point had 82 smoke breaks in a day. 82 smoke breaks. I'm not saying, you know what I mean? I'm not judging him or anything. But when I think about my usage, my usage and how I tallied up every year how much I smoked because you know, in the back of my head, I did have that concern because we did come from the counterculture and we weren't, it wasn't accepted. You know how I told my mom that I smoked? Literally, my dad had already died and it was our aunt, Auntie Tessie was there and it was my mom and Auntie Tessie was driving and I couldn't take it anymore because I was jonesing. I remember that day I was going to your house with them because they wanted to see your grandma. And so I was jonesing and I just needed a smoke. And so I just blurted it out. I was like, mom, I smoke weed. Mm. Yeah. And she was like, well, I already knew that, Christina. You just never told me. So, man, I have an interesting coming out of the closet story. Um, I mentioned in a previous episode that we went to Vegas. We're talking about buffets. So I actually came out to my parents at a Vegas buffet. I I don't know if I told you. I think I told you this, but... Yeah, we took a trip for my dad's birthday to Vegas, and it was my mom. It's just my mom, my dad, and I, so three of us. And uh, we're sitting in, like, we literally, the plane lands, we go to our hotel, and we go walk to the first nearest casino. Uh, I think it was, like, Camelot, whatever. It was, like, in a castle. It was in a castle. And so I I had a, a bit of a nefarious plan, and it was to, you know, come out to my parents and try to convince um you know convince them to partake in weed with me because vegas it's very much legal so we're i kind of planned it like we were a couple plates in we're just about to hit dessert and i i got to mention hey there's a you know weed is legal here and they're like just eating still and you know i know my dad had smoked but i know my mom was very much against it and i just straight out told him like hey um there's something I got to tell you. Um, I've I've been smoking for the past you know x amount of years. I started in high school, and I'm very much a user, um, a habitual user of cannabis. And my mom was she was very upset. She was like almost in tears, almost. But she was like immediately she was like disappointed in the school system, and. Uh, and, you know, it's like, oh, we thought we raised you right. And I'm like, well, mom, like, I didn't, I, I've never been arrested. I'm not, like, a, a bad kid, uh, you know. 
got good grades in school and this is this is a big part of my life and my dad was just laughing you know that's his personality and yeah i mean we somehow convinced my mom to yeah we we took an uber to you know because my dad's on obviously he's on the side of yeah he's gonna smoke it's in vegas um so he went to like the largest weed dispensary at the time in vegas it was like a costco um it was like a culture shock for my mom uh yeah that's our coming out stories but no no yeah just just one more thing because it's we're talking about like the 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 commodification the um, cannabis going mainstream it's so funny like you know going to the that particular dispensary and you know tina was talking about how weed's not the same anymore i mean there's there's a lot of truth to that because it's I mean, you look at uh, these new concentrates, these, you know, dabs, rosin, whatever. We've, yeah, removed that, that, that holistic nature, I think, it, uh, that comes with the plant. And we've industrialized it to where it's just like, uh, this is going to sound like a, a weird comparison, but like, you know, industrial farming where you just like these, um, genetically modified chickens in a small ass cage you know to maximize like you know the yield of a chicken breast or something i have a whole theory of that because okay so the first strain i really because we talked about reggie and how reggie was you know it was doing it for us but at that time you know dro hydro it started to be a thing so i can remember smoking reggie graduating to mids and then being able to afford, you know, really good weed. The first really good strain that I liked, that I fell in love with, and it was one of the first strains that I smoked, was Cherry Pie Kush. There is no such thing as Cherry Pie Kush anymore. Like, I traveled extensively to find Cherry Pie Kush. There, you know, and then I ended up talking to a bud tender where they go, like, there is no such thing as the OG strains anymore. We have hybrids everything is a hybrid now we've taken you know we have taken a wonderful plant and we have given it steroids and now you have the you know you have your subsidiary subsidiaries of weed like now we have concentrate like you said we have concentrates we have rosins we have all these wonderful things but can i take you back to a time where we went to colorado and how we were shocked because we're two kids from Texas going to Colorado to smoke. The first thing that they warned us was the Salvation Army. Do you remember that? Leaving the train station, we had to walk. And you know what? I'm going to mention that house. It's called Stout House. And there's a reason why I'm going to mention this. So do you remember that walk yes. where we had to walk through and downtown Denver Bef prior to that walk we were talking to people because you know i like I, I can talk to strangers and that's a normal thing for me like socialization literally they told us to be careful they were like it's not the weed do you remember that guy he's like it's not the weed you're going to walk by heroin addicts and so that got me thinking and i was like what is it? like what Le weed was just you know legalized why are we dealing with heroin and that really opened my mind for the first time. And I never thought about it ever again until we left Colorado. 
because we made that trek and we were followed. I don't know if you remember that. We kept telling you, hey, put your camera away. And that guy following us. And then I kept asking you to sit or like to walk in the middle of me and Josh. But yeah, that that was a precursor as, you know, as I began to travel for weed. That was a precursor set in my mind because I didn't touch back onto it until later on, like until maybe, I don't know, last year where I started to see this correlation of, oh, weed is not enough for some people. Like, and that's where I feel like society's going. I feel like with Snoop coming out saying like, this is kind of like, you know, a sober curiosity thing. He's from what he has publicly displayed. He's never been sober or he's never taken a tea break publicly. So, and that's what I'm wondering now is sober curiosity a thing? Because for me, it was like, I just wanted to see, I just wanted to see what I can do. If you listen to the first podcast, I say, absolutely not. I will not stay sober. Absolutely not. And then I was, as I was reviewing, um, you know, comments on social media about, is Snoop really for real? People were putting, oh, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try to be sober too. But that was a minority comment. A lot of people were like, yeah, you guys have fun. You guys have fun doing that. So... (laughs) We're going to bring it back to Colorado because because that stout house that we went to, we had seen something more like it wasn't a, a regular deal. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Remember how we were looking for that place? The host of the Airbnb greeted us, let us into his home. But there was something going on, like there were a bunch of sketchy people in there. And literally he was dealing heroin. We didn't know that. We didn't know he was dealing heroin. So there's something much more happening here in society. And I feel like because we were in that fugue of smoking, we didn't see it. I'll say that that is a beautiful term. The fugue of smoking, yeah. right? It was, it's a fugue. Fugue, F-U-E-G-E. So back in the day if you were to present that to me i'd be like you know oh that's the slippery slope argument that's bullshit like if you try cannabis you're going to want to try something stronger you're going to move on because you know there is but we didn't have to move on we didn't right we didn't have to move on from cannabis because like i said we started off with reggie instead of going from reggie to heroin or reggie to you know ecstasy or whatever whatever you want we went from reggie to mids and when mids wasn't enough, we went to hydro. We went to what weed is now. Like I said, there's no such thing as cherry pie kush anymore. Everything has a, such an exotic name, but it's still doing the same thing. Like, can we can we even go back to Reggie? Like, as a society, can we go back to the counter, like, counterculture of secretly doing things? Because everyone is so public about it. And now that I'm, you know, waking up, I don't think, you know, I don't think I'm fully there yet. I'm just grasping what's around me. I'm I'm pulling at straws at this point. Because, like, in my line of work, honestly, I think about leaving it sometimes. Because I deal with youth. And because I see this, like, disrespect. And it's not even warranted. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people say, oh, I, you know 
to get to earn respect you have to give respect or whatever like as a society we should just have that plain respect for someone else like why why is it so hard why is like okay let's think of it like this why is it so hard for kids to be nice to their teachers like i'm on like i said my for you pages are like way messed up right now and so somehow i ended up on teacher talk but teacher talk quitting teachers quitting their professions because of disrespect so i don't know if you've seen that part of society yet or like like even observed interactions like that well i mean maybe going slightly off topic but i mean the most i've heard about teachers quitting is um you get the case of like teachers quitting to start only fans and they're like hey i've made more in a month than i made in two years mm-hmm. kind of deal and maybe it goes back to that um theme that we're talking about in society where it's i want this instant gratification i don't want to um, preserve my self-worth or whatever and i want to you know make a bunch of money or in the case of weed, I want to get as high as I possibly can and violently high. violently high, right? Yeah, there's something about, there's one thing I didn't like about smoking culture um, in any smoking circle. I, I was in high school and I mean, honestly, even with our family too, um, you know, we're hitting the blunt and it's like, if you want to tap out early, you kind of, everybody, cause it's, there, there isn't peer pressure. You're already doing the drugs, right? But there is that, there is that second peer pressure that I, I don't think a lot of people talk about where like, Hey, you have to smoke as much as I smoke. And I, I never understood that. Um, cause I was always one to, to tap out early, uh, in a way I kind of wanted to preserve my tolerance, you know, but I remember in smoke circles back in, in high school and even college, where we would be, you know, smoking out of a pipe, um, one or two bowls in. I'm like, all right, I'm good, guys. And they're like, what? You fucking pussy. Like, what? You know, we got all this weed here. And to me, it's not because it's like it's it's I wanted I wanted to to cherish that experience of being high. And I felt like, yeah, the more I smoked, the more I mean, I didn't really get it. There was a certain point where I couldn't get any higher. And we were just it's like a fat ass at a buffet. You're just eating to eat kind of deal. Okay, so when we talk about I can't get higher, like, okay, that that's a pressure, isn't it? Because like I said, when we think of Snoop Dogg saying I'm quitting and people not believing him, is that the same thing where, you know, because I can think of many times where I made you finish the blunt because it's like, okay, we're already smoking. You might as well just do it. But we were already high. Mm-hmm. Like wh- what made us feel like that's okay. Like, once again, I'm I'm trying to reevaluate my relationship with weed and how I got here. Because as far as I know, I'm the one who always went to weed. Weed never really came to me, you know, like you, weed doesn't come to you because it takes so much energy to, you know, just to acquire marijuana. You have to work for the money and then you have to go out and, you know, talk to people and then buy it. Not once has I, I can never say weed solicited my like my presence. So I'll speak back in this time in my life when I was in the pharmacy and this is about two and a half years that I was totally sober and it's a different type type of sober than I am now because I was reluctantly sober. I was like, oh, I have to be sober for this job. You know, I was like, I don't really want to be sober. I actually really wanted to smoke. So speaking back to YouTube, you know, 
uh, I would watch all these weed tubers. Remember back in the day, like before a bunch of them got demonetized and removed from the, from the platform, um, there were all these like small channels popping up of weed tubers and I would follow them and I would just like, I followed them, I subscribed to them, watched their videos religiously because I was like, I was smoking vicariously through them. And what I noticed is um, actually a couple of those creators, they kind of dropped out and they, they would make update videos like a year or two later, like, hey, I quit smoking and blah, 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 this and that. I, I, I got clean and I didn't understand it. I, I, I was like, what? I mean, you live in Colorado, you live in California. Why would you, why would you stop? Did you feel like they were traitors in a sense? Because now, you know, we're we're talking about this is like 2020s, right? Like everyone's smoking. If you don't smoke, like what the fuck is wrong with you? You know what I mean? Like why aren't you doing this? So doing sober curiosity, I'm wondering now, am I am I about to be the minority? Like am I swinging back to that minority circle? Like am I having a full circle moment to where it's like, "Hey, I enjoyed my 20s." I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed cannabis a lot. Like that was that was my thing. But now that I'm 31, <laughs> now that, you know, I'm in my 30s, I'm kind of reevaluating if I missed out on something. Like, did I miss a character development moment for years? Because the pandemic really put something in us. We don't, like, as a society, we don't function correctly anymore. And we want to say, oh, our parents, our parents ruined society for us. We can't get housing we can't do these things like that. That's not necessarily true. Is it because we're not working hard? Because, okay, granted, you know, we come from an immigrant family. And when I think of the Philippines, I think of everyone working hard. And when my mom goes like, oh, I want to go move back to the Philippines. I always tell her you're going to be culture shocked because I don't believe that people are the same. Like, like people are not respectful anymore across the board. And we've accepted that as society. We've accepted that it's okay to say, this is my boundary. Like, I don't like you talking to me like that. But where does that bound... Like, I think I'm seeing a boundary blur between this is healthy and this is disrespectful. So, if... Like, okay, like, if you guys are sober curious, go for it. Try being sober. Take that tea break. But really think about what you're you know what you're ingesting like what you're what you're being exposed to because i will say my for you pages never looked like this before like i have time to think now i have time to really digest my emotions and make better choices like you know i tell people every day it's you make make a good choice i'm not telling you what to do but i hope you make a good choice for you yeah and i um I don't think, uh, yeah, we've come full circle. I like to picture a spiral. So we're at the same point of the circle, but at a higher point. So we're kind of spiraling up and outward. And I think this is a good step for us is, is um, we're taking a tea break, right? But this is unlike a tea break that I've taken in the past. Um, I have to preface it. So tea is for tolerance, you know, not for, yeah. yeah. So tea, <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, this tea break is unlike any that we've taken in the past. It's like a deliberate um, step um, in the right direction, the wrong direction. I mean, time will tell. But I feel like the we're taking a step in in, in accountability, personal accountability. I've never felt I've never felt accountable for my actions up until now. 
and I've never thought how my actions affected society because a lot of times when people had first met me like let's say this there are people in this world who only know me by Ling Ling and that's a strange thing to say because like I'm a full ass adult like I'm a grown ass adult but for people to only know me as Ling Ling that should say something like you only know me as your drug dealer like oh I'm not a drug dealer anymore (laughs) but you know I I will say I'm I'm coming to terms with being accountable for the things that I've done and it's kind of a hard pill to swallow because I've diluted I've diluted a lot of things like I've let a lot of things slide like how I've acted and I say this about like you know authority like I grew up in a very structured household so you know when we talk about counter being a part of the counterculture of course you're gonna you know be a little bit rebellious but I think a lot of me and my peers we've taken not being accountable to another extreme and now that we're at that age where we're having kids and I can see how children act now and I'm not saying it's parenting it's it's something in our society where we're saying it's okay to act the way you act so I don't know what you want to like do you have a take on that well I have a question so I mean it's I'll preface this by saying it's almost counterculture to be like to be a traditional now it's counterculture like hey I want a family and I want to I don't want my kids to do drugs you know so with that being said if you have kids what's what are your policies like how are you going to raise them in this world like and like like towards cannabis like towards drug use or just in general so I we grew up well I grew up in a pretty traditional household and you know I've been with my partner for 13 14 years a long time and it's kind of a very traditional relationship so I did retain that from my parents and I will say it's it's worked for me it's worked for us like it, it works for us my, I, I can't speak on my husband like you know I can't say he grew up in a traditional sense like how I did but you know he really does like that traditional type of lifestyle and if we're gonna talk about cannabis use with you know future kids I may have like okay yeah if they need it yeah but here's the thing you're not gonna be smoking under my house like you won't be smoking under my roof if you decide that you want to smoke cannabis, please, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, go discover that shit in college. See, what if what if they pull um, a Tina move where it's like, not under my roof, so they climb on top of your roof and they smoke? I'd, I'd be, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't be okay with that. Like, I'd be like, okay, first of all, why the fuck are you climbing up this fucking roof? You, we have a fucking balcony. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Just fucking use it there. But then I would, you know, I'd really question like, hey did I raise my kids to respect authority? Because once again, when I think about my cannabis use and how I correlate it to my disrespect to authority, it's kind of extreme because I went to college and I smoked with one of my professors and that's not normal. Like that is not normal. So in a sense, I don't want to normalize things that shouldn't be normal. 
and even though society i guess society at you know future tense we don't know where marijuana and legalization is going to end up because when we look at canada they've legalized hard drugs but their society isn't you know like our society it's different yeah i mean canada they've legalized you know medically assisted suicide you know there's that meme online where it's like uh in the uk it's like there's like a comic a three panel comic it's it's dude that has his hand cut off and in in the uk they're like it'll be uh eight months until you can get that fixed and then the us uh, that'll be eighty thousand dollars plus all these other medical bills and then in canada it's like kill yourself oh, okay. okay canada has a really they have a very dark take with assisted suicide. I don't know if this is a real article. I didn't really look into it, but I thought it was funny. So I would consider it a meme because it goes, uh, the first panel goes like, our government doesn't know how to deal with homelessness. And then on the bottom panel, it goes like, Canadian government, let me help you kill yourself. Like, Like they're offering assisted suicide assisted suicide to homeless people unhoused people if you want to be pc about it mm-hmm. oh i have so much to talk about homelessness like like there's been an like okay we always known we've always known you know homeless people but there are now caravans of homeless people and it's not like they're hiding because okay remember where i used to live mm-hmm. there was that gas it's not a gas station it was a car wash mm-hmm. Behind that car washer was a forest. Okay, have you looked in that forest? There is a whole community there of unhoused people. And it's okay. Like, you know what I mean? There's something wrong with our society if we're accepting that. If we're saying, hey, that's okay. It's okay to have unhoused people. When there are a lot of homes that are, you know, vacant. People are squatting in it. So I... You know, when we tie cannabis back to our society, should we have legalized this? Because here's the deal. Someone asked me that before. Are you for legal marijuana? Like recreational. I'm for medicinal marijuana. The legalization of medicinal marijuana. Yeah, I'm I'm for it. As per recreational, before I would say yes. Now I'm no. Like I'm straight up no. Because if I want to smoke weed, I'm going to find a way to do it. And that's as simple as that. That's an interesting, that's a very interesting point. I don't necessarily think I'd agree with a, a solely medical. Um, but I will say that, yeah, the, if people want cannabis, they're going to, they're going to go for it. They're going to get it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what to say to that. I, I just know that, you know, when we were growing up, it was very much, I mean, very, very much illegal and high schoolers still manage to get their hands on it so i feel like if it's regulated uh, a little more it'll be harder to get cannabis as a kid who's regulating it like who's regulating the weed once again we don't have cherry pie kush who's who's to say like oh like okay if the government somehow you know regulates all the marijuana how do you know what you're getting is you know what it is I changed my point then. What, what do you, how do you feel about just total, to, like you're just going full Venezuela, like you're allowed to, you know, grow it for personal use, like just totally deregulate, deregulate. I'm for it. I'm for it. Yeah. 
if you're going to grow it on your own, cool. But to have regulations like, oh, this is recreational weed and it's been, you know, filtered through the government. Because, you know, even though it's legal, the FDA still says no. And we want to, as a society, because I really did believe this for a long time, it's like, oh, they don't want it to be legal because they can't tax it. But now when I go to states that are legal, I'm getting double taxed for it. So if we are to, as a society, if we were to grow our own and it's okay, I'm fine with that. But for someone to have such regulation over recreational weed, like I'm not for that. Because as I'm looking at society, this is a detriment. And I'm I'm one to say I love marijuana. I do. Like I love cannabis. But re-evaluating how I use cannabis, I think I have taken it to an extreme. And, you know, I have a lot of regret about that. Because even the productivity that I have now, it's wild. I've been stunting it. And so when I talk about that fugue state, 13 years is a long time. It's quite a long time. And, uh... I don't want to go off on another tangent. Perhaps we could use this as a launching point for the next podcast, but how do you feel about the state of psychedelics? I like mushrooms, but I have not experienced it enough. Like I haven't used it enough to say, to have like a solid foundation to where I'm like, okay, everyone can do this because there's always that, you know, that chance that you're going to get some sort of psychedelic that has been synthesized, humanly synthesized. So yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like if you can do it, if you know where you're getting it and it's the purest thing you can get, great. But we're also seeing a shift in psychedelics, like where it is being, you know, socially accepted. Cause as far as I know, people that's a that's an offense you know what i mean it's a federal offense and i get it so yeah like like i said like where are we going as society because i don't see cannabis as a gateway drug but i can see power as a gateway drug i can see entitlement like you know (laughs) as a gateway like and it's happening literally just open your eyes it's happening but i'm not here to tell you like what to do or how to feel This is just my experience as I'm getting, you know, sober. I'm still sober curious. I I can't say, like, I'm not going to be sober in December. But I can say that I won't be smoking weed every day. Yeah, I think that's uh, a good, good note to leave off on. Thank you for listening to the Sober Curious podcast. I'm now officially your co-host, Lala. As it were. Cousin Lala. Cousin Lala signing off. All right, friends. Until next time. Uh, the party is for dirty, right? Yes, but you don't have to show up till. It doesn't have to be well, 4 30. You know, people, it's 5 o'clock. You know, yeah. Now, Angelo asked me to make photo because he invited his friend. Okay. Because they're laughing and they said he wants to show the photo, so I'm going to make some photos also. Okay, sounds okay. good. Okay, Andy. Yeah, okay. Okay. Okay, okay bye. Okay, bye, Andy. Uh, love you.